Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mirror mine, mirror mine You twist and turn my mind Until I don't know who I am Mirror mine Good evening and welcome to an On The Whistle podcast. I am here with Matt Candela and Johnny Cochran and we are here to talk about the stupendous win at Wolves this evening. Away from home, things are starting to roll our way. I'm going to go to Johnny for the hottest take. Johnny, how are you feeling right now? I'm feeling good. And I tell you what, I tell you what, all them years, and uh, you know, in, re- in recent times where you're like, you, you know, those stage, stages, we've done it on the pod ourselves and we talked about that kind of apathy that just developed where it was like, I just don't, it's like you do care, but you just can't bring yourself to get up for this anymore because we'd read the story so many times. It feels like there's a different story. I don't know whether it's going to be a heartbreak ending. I don't know if it's going to be. It looks like it's going to be a nail bite, a thriller, you know, a who done it, <laughs> if you will. But at the end of the day, this story feels different. It's exciting, and let's not let's not. You know, it's easy for people to go, "Oh, okay, let's not be knee jerk and jump to assumptions and stuff." You know, we do an on the whistle podcast. It's very hard not to a lot of the time. But the reality is, is it's hard not to think, in my opinion, when you look at results like that, that they are not going to be the serious building blocks to getting us into that top four. This is a massive, massive game today. And the fact that we yet again, yet again, have <laughs> been down to 10 men. I mean, we're going to, I know we're going to go into that in, in, in finer detail, but it's like we are constantly hamstrung. But this is the key, and this is where my hottest take would lead me. For so long, when it comes to a guts-it-out situation, I would put my money on Arsenal not being able to do it. That's, that's, that's just the reality of it. When the going gets tough, you know you know things are going to go wrong for us. You know someone's going to do something stupid. What, is Xhaka still on the field? Just wait. All right, we'll see. No. Something seems to have shifted. There's hard nuts throughout the team, people who don't bottle it. And I've got a, props where props are due. Arteta has got these guys playing in a way, in an organised fashion. Listen, there are, it's not everything's perfect. We can get onto those issues as well, particularly the attack. But in terms of what I've called for for so long, coherency throughout the team, particularly attacking, but overall, we look solid. We look robust. There's characters throughout the team. There always seems to be a plan. People know what they're doing now. And... If it comes down to the kind of top four race that we, some of us are predicting, that it is going to be niggly, it is going to be, you know, uh, about who can basically gut it out, 
then being as organised as that, as long as, you know, in, injuries permitting, I think we've got every chance of getting over the line. That almost felt sensual, the way that you delivered that. So relaxed and calm. Matt Candela, uh, how are you feeling about it? You've just come in from somewhere. Um, what's your vibe? Or your hottest take? Unmute yourself, my friend. <laughs> One nil to the arsenal. Yes. We're back. We're back. Culture change complete. We are no pushovers anymore. The soft belly's gone. Uh, we're ready for the fight. Uh, we've got rid of all the bad eggs. It's 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 just great. I'm so excited about the way the team stands up to challenges. We've seen it brewing, but now. I think a couple of times this month we've faced adversity and every time we face it, it makes us stronger. And there's real camaraderie in the team. I would not I I would not want to bet against this Arsenal team now. That's the way I feel. I feel like they are quietly determined to go and get top four. It, they treated it like a cup final. Everyone left everything on the pitch. You know, the end result... Ramsdale, Gabriel celebrating at the end. You just saw how much it's meant to them. And it was a massive, massive, massive game, you know? And for the first time, you know what this is going to come down to. The team that's going to get top four is the one that takes the chances. And every every opportunity we've had to take our chances all season, we haven't taken them. This was the first time we took the chance. We had a big away game. Things didn't go well. And, you know, it just had... George Graham vibes. It had Tony Adams vibes. It had proper Arsenal vibes written all over it. So I'm um, I'm absolutely I'm 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 so that that was better than a four 0 for me. It really was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I agree with all of those hot hot takes. How can I not? I, I think um, I think there's something really powerful in in narrative in football. And I know that sounds like a really simple thing to say, but there are. There are narratives with Arsenal and you just, you kind of feel where the where it's going to go. Uh, Spurs lose, Man United drop points, the, the gates of top four heaven open and you're just sitting there thinking, Granite Jack, a red card, uh, stupid goal, self-inflicted wound, and it didn't happen. Post 17 day break, you're always concerned that Arsenal are going to come out a little bit lethargic. We're not going to be at the races. Didn't happen. Um Everybody stood up for themselves. Um, everybody uh, put in a, a fantastic performance. The big, the big young players that we've got on the side, like the, the big personalities, they showed up. Aaron Ramsdale was spectacular. I thought, um, I thought Saka um, had some really dangerous moments. But everybody worked their socks off. And and you're right. Like we, this is a, this is a team that loves clean sheets. That's Aaron Ramsdale's 11th clean sheet this season. He had a 55% clean sheet percentage, the best in the league before this game. And now we're sitting pretty in fifth. And we are going to, if you know, if we carry on this way, we're, we're leading the pack um, for top four. So, so many amazing things. And a win like that gets the fans on side because we were no momentum FC, as you said, Matt, before the break. Now, now, that, that sort of win, you're right, it's better than a 4-0 because it says something about your character and that should give us momentum. It means nothing if we fuck it up against Brentford at the weekend. But the point is, we won a difficult game against an informed side um, and 
things were going against us and we weren't victims. So I thought there were so many good things. Um, and I want to, um, I actually want to uh, get into like my first, my first point. I don't want to go into, like there's quite a few negatives that we can touch on. I don't want to touch on the negatives, but, but I, I do want to get into the, the George, we're talking about George Graham a lot this season. Um, I, I want to talk about the love for clean sheets. I feel like we celebrate clean sheets harder than we celebrate goals. And everybody in that side puts it on the line. There's shithousery. There's um, wasting time. And when we keep a clean sheet at the end of the game, you feel like Ramsdale and Gabriel are celebrating that clean sheet just as hard um, as the three points. Are we a team that built out from the back? And does it bode well that the youngest defence in the league has 11 clean sheets to its name in 19 games now? Well, from my perspective, it's it's almost inevitable that things will go down this way now. The reality is, uh, and we won't be talking about the negative yet, but the attacking issues are still there for all to see. So when you have that as a proposition, you have to realise, I mean, they're not stupid. Arteta's not stupid on that front. If you're not going to score loads of goals, you've got to keep clean sheets or we're not going to win games. So, And we need to win games. So... I think at this point, it's, it would only be prudent to think that our first, you know, inclination in a game is to keep a clean sheet because we can't send on players at this moment in time anyway and think that we are going to, you know, rampage all over these people every time. And and I think there are different teams in different situations where that's more viable. If you're playing Norwich at home, yeah, you're expecting go out and get some goals, play well. But Wolves, a team who had the second best defensive record heading into this game, you know, go into uh, to a tough place to go to um, and trying to get what would be an, 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 you know, not necessarily unlikely win, but would be a great win if we could pull it off. And we, and, and in terms of how you attack that task, surely a clean sheet has to be very high up the um, uh, up the uh, list of requirements. I did want to just touch on whilst we think about that as well, because you went into a point there, which I don't think we should, you know, overlook. And that was initially you started talking about the narrative, but you mentioned a key word there and it's momentum, right? Now, the last time I was on this pod, I was was talking about getting excited for um, Mahomes and the Chiefs uh, in NFL. And they basically, in that game, it was awful. It was the horror show. It was the reverse of this. They ended up putting on an absolute clinic in the first half and then... Just by one little play, the momentum of the game shifted and they crumbled and they end up losing a game they shouldn't really have lost. And it's something that can be overlooked in sports quite often, the, 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 the um, significance of momentum. Because momentum allows you to, at, at times, stop thinking because you're just riding the wave of doing, yeah, it's because we win. We won last week, we'll win the next week. And, you know, and the same way, you get reverse momentum. And I would say that Tottenham recently had been riding that momentum of nicking out last minute wins you know skanking points but seriously climbing up the table at a time when before they looked lost all of a sudden in the space of two days we've had a situation where Tottenham thought that they were going to get that equaliser and keep the momentum up uh, against Southampton gutted it didn't count you lost at home your shit Arsenal on the other hand you're going to win, are you? Oh, no, we've got another man sent off. Well, we always concede late on. We're bound to lose this. No, we gutted it out. And we've generated momentum off of off of that result. That is a momentum generator, that result. I mean, coin that phrase. Put it I in like the dictionary. I like put that. Put my name momentum next to it. Momentum generator. <laughs> so, 
you know, this is what I mean when we talk about how significant that result is. And inbuilt in that result is the clean sheet and the ability for this team to set about their task by saying our first and foremost objective is to remain solid and then let our special players nick an odd goal here and there. And ultimately, I, I hope that that leads us all the way to where we want to go. Matt Candela, what do you think about the clean sheets? Is this uh, is this a sign of things to come? Are we uh, are we happy with, with with how we're defending? Like beyond just the five? Yeah, like I mean, um, everybody putting a shift in, right? I think the first thing that Arteta identified, along with culture, was we needed to fix how we defend as a team, and he's definitely building this whole team from the back. Like it's it's pretty evident the investment, all the. The, the way we're structured is we've got to be on strong foundations and it's great that it's, that it's been coming, that, that we're now seeing and reaping the, the, the benefits of it. It's been, been happening for a while, but now it's, it's, it's just phenomenal. So loving that. Um, I know that uh, you boys had a couple of doubts over Ramsdale and, uh, and, and were worried that he might have lost a bit of form. He was back, back, back on today. There was absolutely no doubt about that. Gabriel, he's just just absolute class, isn't he? He's just he's Matt, turning I will into say one thing on Gabriel. He was shit housing and he pretended to pull a hamstring. And I was like, don't do that. Don't do that. When he's <laughs> when he sat on the floor with the pinged hamstring. I was like, my word. Anyway, sorry. It was and him and White. And, and you forget that we didn't have our first choice defense out there today. We had Cedric at right back. Brilliant performance. We just dug in and it's just uh, it's just been so long since you've really had confidence in us to batten down the hatches. And I'll tell you, you know, unsung hero, Rob Holding. Absolutely outstanding cameo performance, in my opinion. Came on. Terrible situation to come into. Terrible. Down to 10. Uh, it's like the Alamo. There's balls coming in everywhere. And he just dealt with everything. Just solid hoof on it every time it came anywhere near him so you know i'm 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 loving it you know arsene wenger he 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 sort of made us fall out of love with defending <laughs> it was sort of like yeah well we'll just try and score more than we concede and we went along with that when we were scoring goals but there's something about a rear guard action like and being down to 10 men that i think you mean all you could hear was the arsenal fans and i think every single one of them appreciated the effort um, i'm 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 so so pleased with today yeah and look i ran i i ran some numbers they weren't very hard numbers but the <laughs> you know the average age of our defense uh our first team defense is is um is 24 that's um that's one of the youngest defenses in the league and if there's any position that generally you need older players in it is defense you know like liverpool have got uh van dyke who is, I think he's 30 now. Um, Tiago you know, Silva's still playing at 37. Tiago Silva at 37. And, um, you know, Arsenal have two players over the age of 29 in the entire squad at the moment, just to put context on how much talent these young kids have. But I, I love, um, you know, beyond, beyond just being a talented group, they seem to like each other, right? There's actual chemistry between them. They enjoy playing with each other. And um, the... The fight that went on on that pitch today, I mean, that must have been absolutely, um, that must have been so tiring for everybody out there. But everybody kept on going at it. Everybody's looking out for, um, for for the runs in behind. Everybody was very sensible in the transition. And 
I did want to sort of shift like up the pitch a little bit because if there is one thing that most of us have been absolutely petrified of over the last 17 days, really, it's Granite Xhaka. <laughs> Look, Granite Xhaka does a couple of bad things and then everybody goes back to he's useless. He is not a useless player. He just has the propensity for a massive brain fart. He's already had two um, in January after a bit of a hiatus. Uh, and Thomas Partey got a, a yellow card on the 33rd minute. Granite Jacker got a stupid yellow card. And we all feared that there was a, another red card coming for Arsenal in the midfield. It didn't happen. And now we can step back. I think we can say Granite Jacker had a great performance out there. Um, his, his header in the first half, when he had pressure of an arm over the back of his head, was immense because he could have, he could have, you know, I feel like an old Jacker would have flopped under that and they would have scored. But he stood up to it and his first instinct was put a head on it rather than risk them scoring a goal and VAR not working for us. Um, but, you know, it, it, this is the thing with Granite Jacker. Like, this is why managers must like him. He comes out for the second half, he doesn't play like he's got a book in. You know, he didn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't shy away. He's got a bravery that that's often the problem. Doesn't have. It is yeah. totally. It totally. But to to play in a in a, in a defense with ten men to step up um, and to to play with absolute concentration for the second half. Granite Jacker had a great performance every day, and anybody that gives him shit needs to say, "All right, one game. Like we'll take it one game at a time." That was a brilliant performance, and if he wasn't there. We don't see that performance through. So, um... no. But, but the thing, the thing for me with him is he. This is literally what Granite Xhaka does. <laughs> I was going to tweet before the game. Um, you'd have to take my word for it because I've not got the proof. Obviously, I didn't do it in the end. <laughs> but it was, um, you know, this is the kind of game where Xhaka will have a great game because he, he's just come back from being, <laughs> you know, sent off, and all the fans are going, "We need to move on from Xhaka. We need to move," which we do. But then he'll put in a performance like this. He's got another good performance coming up on the weekend. You wait and watch. And then we'll have another game, either the one after or the one after that, when he will either get sent off, <laughs> play someone into trouble, not do his job, make a bad tackle. This is what he does. He's on a loop. You know what I mean? He's literally on a loop. We know what we're getting. And the, the thing that I've said with Xhaka is I do think even with all of his... Um, limitations i.e mental limitations largely we can still get top four with him because he's on about a four out of five good games <laughs> ratio you know and just the fifth one is a meltdown it's a it's a chernobyl you know what i mean of a performance every every time he'll cost you the game and you know we move on but i feel like the managers who persistently and it's not just arteta pick this guy they just do the maths and they say you know, for the other good games that he's going to play well, I'll just take the red card games because we don't need to win every game, <laughs> not at this stage. And he's better than what El Nenny coming in and being a bit more, you know, a bit more consistent in terms of his discipline, but unspectacular. I thought Xhaka was, as you say, Pete, excellent today, and that block off the line was absolutely immense. And the one thing that you rarely could label at, at Xhaka is he, he doesn't go hiding. He's got poor discipline in a different way. Like he might get sent off and go hiding in that way, but he doesn't mind the battle. And in games like this, um, he's you know he's worth his he's worth his weight on the pitch big time. And hopefully we can ride out a good Granite Xhaka wave together with Party for the next three or four games because that could be all the difference for getting us over the line. 
Matt, Granite Jacker, can we make top four with him sitting in midfield? I think so. I think um, it's not about one player. It's about the, the quality of the overall team performances. And I think that today was just a, a high quality team performance. And I think, you know, you look at it and if, if our te- and I think I said it, I said, if we can get top four without having made any signings in January, then it's a masterstroke because we've kept our power to drive. We got to where we wanted to get to. And that's really just kind of come down to consistent performances. It was so good to see our team just looking so much stronger after the break and having all those players back. And, you know, it, it was almost full strength. So, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm optimistic. And, you know, we've got time between games. It's 16 cup finals. We've just won the first one. We've got 16 more. And, um, and every single one of them is going to be a war. It's going to be like today, but Xhaka's not a bad person to have uh, to have in that situation, and I think um, you know it's 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 good enough for top four. Agree, agree. All right, well, I don't need to. Say, I've got a little bit of a granite Xhaka uh, agenda this year. I just wanted to put it out there. I'll probably be eating my words in a net game, but um, I let's talk about uh, something that Arsenal fans absolutely love doing: the agenda. Arsenal, <laughs> Arsenal fans love nothing more than uniting around victimhood. And everybody's complaining about the same thing at the moment. Um, we 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 get the sort of once in a decade items that happen. Today, it was two yellow cards uh, within the same incident after the referee played advantage. There are some people debating whether that is real on the internet. But like key, key stat here, 13 fouls, uh, four, four, uh, four yellows and a red. I, you know, or t- technically, but like but six six yellow cards. Are, are are we losing our minds here, or does it feel like um, does it feel like other clubs get the benefit of the doubt and they they invent rules for Arsenal, or it's completely by the book every single time? Does Arteta need to start working out the dark arts with the referees? Start creating a little bit of pressure in the system because. We're not victims on the pitch anymore, but we are victims from some incredibly bad decisions, and they're consistent. Four red cards in 2022—that is obscene. Uh, Matt, you're not—you're not in your head pretty hard here. Like, what is this a conspiracy, or are we losing our damn minds? Look, I think we've got to channel it, so it's an advantage to us. I think Arteta needs to go full siege mentality on it. He needs to say there's an agenda against against Arsenal. The referees have an agenda against us. He needs to pile the pressure on. He needs to make the players feel a sense of injustice. We need to make the referees worry every single time they produce a card for Arsenal. Um, and I think it's got to start now. Um, because I think the decision today was an absolute joke. I, re- I really do. And I've, I've seen some people who who I, I respect and, 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 and often have sensible opinions saying that they thought it was stupid from Martinelli and it was and, it, and you could understand it. There is no reason, given everything that had happened in the game, for Martinelli to get a red card there. Just book him. Just book him. How is how many times that... do players foul and then kick the ball away? And you know, the first one was sort of nothing. I, I really thought it was nothing, and then the second one was a, a shoulder barge. You know, a very long way away. It's like yeah, it's, it, it's probably a booking. But um, I think it's and, and, and there's no way it all happens if it's if it, if it's stopped and broken down. It's 
I've never seen anything like it. And to happen to Martinelli seems unfair. And I, I just don't see that happening to any other team. I don't know what it was about. So um, maybe it's just maybe maybe I'm biased. Um, but it's a crazy decision, right? Johnny, so, does that happen to Harry Kane or uh, anybody else? in the? Well, it definitely don't happen to Harry Kane. He can do whatever he likes. He can assault Gabriel at the Emirates and, you know, he walks out of there a free man. But look, the, the, the situation is this. Um, do I think there is an agenda against this? I don't actually know. I think largely this comes from Arteta's outlook and I'm not even necessarily knocking it, but the way he's got us moving with the darts, dark arts more, I think that we we are trying to get involved in a world that we haven't completely found our footing in yet. For instance, there's a lot of you've got to be very savvy with the way that you do some of this stuff to not let the referee have an opportunity to do stuff. So, particularly with the Martinelli thing, this is why I actually think it. It's not that I think it necessarily was a red card. It lives in a space where the referee could have given two decisions and been right in both instances, or or it would have been deemed acceptable. The issue is that Martinelli um, obviously should not be booked for breaking up play in the same, like as in trying to stopping play on the same passage of play, because it's essentially one offence. But the problem is, is, what he did by the um, by the uh, the Wolves player on on the throw in is he raised his arm as well towards the guy's face. The guy went down like he'd you know roughed him up. Obviously, it wasn't that heavy, but it was quite a high hand. So at that point, the referee could give two yellow cards based on one that was dangerous play or you know dangerous enough play. You rate you put your hand into someone's face or upper midriff, and then I'm also going to book you because. Later on in that passage, you broke up the play because the opposite of that would also be true. Obviously, if if you um, try to hack someone down and the referee played advantage and then you went, right, I've got a yellow card coming. I'm just going to launch into a two foot and knee high. You can't go, oh, ref, it's only a yellow. No, it exceeds that because you've you've accumulated through both offences. So I can if the referee says that he thought that Martinelli's initial hand to the face was dangerous play or whatnot, then it's a yellow card. And the second one definitely is. Um, but it's the this is what I mean about the fact that we've been told and sent out with that message from Arteta, which we've been crying out, out for as Arsenal fans, to just have a bit more nastiness about us, a bit more needle. And finally, we're seeing it. But this is just the final teething problems, I think, of younger players having to learn, if you are going to practice those dark arts, you know, certainly as you as you find your feet in it, the potions might go off in your face a couple of times. But we're getting there and we've just got a need to learn that you can't just do silly stuff. And this reminds me of that Gabriel red card a few weeks ago. And it was just about, we like the fact that there's a bit of need or we like the fact that you're doing things that proper big teams do and they, and they just get, you know, nasty little wins, grinding stuff out, time-wasting or whatnot. But... You've got to know where you are in the game. You know, it's situational. And they need to understand that in certain situations, you can't do that sort of thing. Otherwise, you're giving the referee a decision to make and it's needless. Yeah, it's, it's like, um, reminds me of like, I don't know, being being a 17-year-old and getting a getting a parking ticket. But if you're a, if you're a local mafia boss, 
no one's putting a parking ticket on your car. You park wherever you want. Like you're 17 years old, people are just going to do it to you. And we are uh, a, a junior team, and there are loads of fresh faces and refs like Michael Oliver um, know that know that he can get away with that because there's going to be no consequences. But part of having a young squad is they've got to learn. And you know, we've we've also probably got to be a little bit more aggressive with referees. I don't think we are. I don't think the fear factor is quite there. I don't think you've got, uh, you know, Liverpool when they surround a referee, it's scary. Jurgen Klopp is scary. And I think Arteta has to grow into that sort of, you know, Klopp is a silverback, right? Arteta is is not there as a, as a personality yet. And maybe that, maybe the silver starts to come through when you win bigger trophies or you make the team, um, you know, you take the team higher, you become a more serious outlook outfit. But I do feel like... Uh, Oliver absolutely took the piss today. He wouldn't do that to any other team in the Premier League. And I think it's a, it, it's, it's a disgrace. And also, you know, just uh, like character reference here. That's Gabriel Martinelli. Mm. Like, give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I partially partially understand it when it happens to Granite Xhaka because he's got, a, he's got a history of it. Gabriel Martinelli is not a nasty player. And also, just to sort of take a step back, Arsenal, Arsenal's red card record is absolutely obscene when you compare it to a team that is known as being a group of thugs, like Burnley. Burnley almost never get red cards, and Arsenal have had four this year alone. It's it, it's just baffling. And this is part of having a really terrible referees association, that these there, there are bias. There is bias in the system. You, know, you can't write an algorithm without there being bias in an algorithm that's supposed to be neutral. The idea that these referees that are mostly from the North don't have bias... And that they don't see young players and have bias compared to Harry Kane is an absolute nonsense. But someone should be helping them get through those bias. Someone should be flagging when they're making mistakes. And you just don't have that at the Referees Association. I think the other thing is you've got to look at, you know, what it does for the game as a spectacle. And, you know, it ruined the game as a spectacle, to be honest, didn't it? It it, it was a great game. It turned it into a rearguard action, attack versus defence, and I would understand it a bit more if Martinelli, there was a sense that he had, you know, they can talk about it, like lost control. You know, when like you see you see an incident and then out of the incident, and, and Jackers does this a lot, you see them sort of blood boiling and then they go screaming into another challenge. But it was a shoulder barge. It wasn't like flying in foot, foot, foot first on the player. And all the ref needed to do was book him, say, calm down, son. And we move on and can still have, you know, an interesting game of football. So, well, was- I, I agree with that, Matt. The, the, the thing the thing is, is the, the aspect where I think we were really hard done by it, and it wasn't a red card, is there's a simple logic to it. If, if Martinelli is going to get booked for that situation, then why are you letting the game play on if you're saying, if you do something else, I'm going to send you off? Like, he needs to be given the opportunity to acknowledge his yellow card because otherwise, he might not make that challenge. I, well, I would hope he wouldn't make that challenge and therefore get sent off. If you're basically going to... I mean, you know, to really condense this down, if someone went in for a, a challenge, it was a bit of a bad challenge, they got back up and then uh, and you went play on and they just made another challenge, what, are you going to go one, two, sent off? Like, that's madness. You can't do it in the same in such a quick passage. Um, but obviously, there has to be the exemption for the fact that if you did something that was egregious in that same passage, then you wouldn't, you know, only accumulate just the yellow because you, you couldn't just suddenly let the player get off with a two-footed lunge because you had booked him back there. So it's kind of a, 
there's a way out for Oliver, is what I'm saying. Even though I don't agree, I thought I thought personally a yellow would have sufficed, but I don't think it was like a horrendous decision on our part. Like it's a little bit, you know, naivety, and we've played into his hands, in my opinion. Yeah, people are saying that Gabriel was naive, and my my sort of response back is. Mikel Arteta has said in his post-match press conference, he's never seen that in in his entire career. And he's been playing, you know, I've never seen that uh, in my entire career of watching football. (laughs) But the interesting thing is in the post-match conference, he's actually said that Michael uh, Oliver wanted to make that decision. He had a desire to make that decision. And, And I'd agree with it. It's absolutely baffling. If there is a decision out there that no football fan has ever seen. I mean, I've seen other professional footballers um, uh, Yannick Bellassi saying, like, how can you give two yellow cards in the same passage after playing advantage? Absolutely um, absurd. And But the good thing is we didn't feel sorry for ourselves, um, which I think is, you know, that's the way that we wanted to, to see things go. I want to talk about something a little bit negative now. I want to shift the conversation. Um, we won't go too hard, but I will say, where is that barn door? <laughs> Alex Lacazette. I love him. He's, yeah, he's, a pro, he's, a pro, he's a proper captain. He sets the tone. Um, and he's picked up the mess that uh, the overless. He brings players into the game. Everybody trusts him. Like he links play. But where did the finishing go? Where did the finishing go? Two two big misses. Uh, the first half, Saka stumbling over gets up and crosses a ball. Another striker doesn't hit that right of the goalkeeper. And I'm sitting there thankful. I'm like, thank God he hit the target. That's that's how low my expectations are there. And then in the second half, you go down to 10 men. Lacazette somehow, the slowest player on the pitch, manages to break the offside trap. A beautiful pass by Granit Xhaka, I think. And he curls it over. And like, it's just, it's not, it's not good enough. And it, and it kills me a little bit. It kills me a little bit. Um, what, are, what, are, what do we make of this? This is just the nature, right? This is just the nature of the season. Or is it going to get better? What do you think? Well, from my perspective, look, we know where we're at. I, I was one of the chief cheerleaders for bringing Lacquer into the team. Wholly stand by that situation. Mm. He is the best solution that we have at the club, including when Oba, or in, in, in recent form, was at the club as well. But, I mean, gone are the days where your striker is your best finisher at the club. I mean, <laughs> well, wouldn't that be a nice situation to have? Uh, this guy, it, these are not small chances. And when you look at the situation, it, it, it obviously doesn't, it's not as simple as this. There are other um, parameters to take into account. But when you look at our competition, the, pe- the, the teams we are up against, when you look at the chances that our front players had today, that our opposition strikers take them. Even Kane out of form, he scores two today. That first uh, opportunity, I'm pleased you brought it up, uh, Pete. It's, it's a wonderful move. It's lovely interchange. Saka down the right. I thought Martin Erdegaard, who, you know, it, it may drift into the background for getting praised today, but I thought he was excellent. Again, I really like what he's bringing to the party. Um, lovely little cutback from Saka. Got to finish, mate. Got to finish. Make the keeper make a world class save, and I'll get off your back. Can't be going. It can't be warm up practice. It can't be doing that. <laughs> and as for, you know, you're getting played one on one. You're down to ten men. Thierry Henry, Barcelona, Champions League final. Knock it in, mate. We're one nil up. Knock it in. We we do not have. Well, clearly we did because we managed to hang on. Unlike that fateful day, but we don't have the luxury at that point of. 
oh yeah, you know, take your time and work it, find your shooting boots. No, this is a massive chance, finish it. And if we don't find a solution there, and I mean that, I, I do think that Laka offers so much in terms of our attacking unit, but we have to, to have Laka involved in our attacking unit, we have to find goals from elsewhere. We're not going to get Gabriel ricochet shots every game. We can't, you know, build our house on that. We need to find goals from our attacking players. And as much as we like Martinelli, we like Saka, Erdogan's been good. These guys are going to have to start chipping in with goals. They're going to have to score goals because if you play Laka, he does provide you with certain services, but he's not going to get goals when you see what his finishing was like today. And I have no confidence that it's going to largely improve towards the end of the season, which is why it's so glaring for me that we did not bring in anyone in, in the January transfer window who could just score. But there you go. Matt, in the last podcast, you said if Eddie gets five goals, that's a good thing. <laughs> can Lacazette get five goals? Um, I don't think he can. Um, I thought I thought he was poor today. Um and, you know, he's had a long break. Uh, I saw in the comments, it looked like he'd had a freight train uh, tied to his ankle from the 60th minute, which I thought was a brilliant comment. But even, like, the sharpness in the first half around, like, the way he turned with the ball, the way he laid off the ball, he he just looked slow. He was just like like a, like a, a big, a sort of, he looked like a Burnley striker to me, uh, like a bit of a lump. Uh, we caused cut back for the assist the other day. Yeah, so, um, you know, and I I think that's the point. It's like, it's going to be really, really frustrating because I think we're a much better team than Spurs, but Spurs' strength is they've got Kane and Son up top who can just snap all half chances. And I think it's going to be, we're going to be the better team throughout the whole run in and they're just going to like score goals Um, and, and it's going to be a close run thing. So... I said um, when he missed that, I really, really hope we win this game because otherwise the internet's going to explode and go, that is exactly why we needed to strengthen and buy a striker in the summer. So, um, you know, we've got a problem up there um, and I'm not quite sure how it's going to get fixed. We're just going to have to hope. But I also feel like he's got worse at finishing. It's like... uh, there's been, there's almost been like a tacit acceptance that he doesn't have to score goals now. You know, it's like a weird situation where it's like, oh, it's okay. He brings so much other stuff. It's like, no, you still need to score goals. You're just not very good at it, but you still need to do it. And, um, you know, it's, it was, it was bad. And the miss is the miss, you know, everyone misses goals and you reference Thierry Henry. I thought exactly the same, uh, it happens, but the, the other thing is Thierry Henry would have banged twenty goals in the season by now and missed that one. Yeah, Henry <laughs> finishes that game much earlier. That's the so difference. yeah, I, I, and then and then Eddie comes on. I mean, the guys. I, I don't. I know, I know everyone's tried to say nice things. I don't want to get on his back. But even in the last minute, when he's got the ball by the corner flag and he just like, gently rolls it back <sighs> to the goalkeeper rather than. You know, getting the throw, kicking it out for the throw, kicking it into the crowd, doing anything. Don't give it back to the keeper. He can be really brain dead. So yeah, I think I, I think I mean, we've I mean, got to give. You've got to give. You've got to put minutes into Eddie because the reality is, if if 
if Lacazette is playing like he's got a freight train strapped to his ankle, that means he's tired. And when you get tired, there's always a chance that those <laughs> he's had being, you're two weeks to. off. He's been in. We, we all saw that trip. It looked incredible. We all wish we were there. We all how much you would have been eating on that trip. <laughs> He was at the all-you-can-eat buffet every single day. Watermelon. Yeah, I, would have, I would have been as well. I would have been as well. <laughs> Me too. It looked fantastic. Salt Bay. Um, but, you know, uh, I'm worried about up front. And I I mean, I'm so worried. I think it's Pepe time. I think it's Pepe time. Don't be that worried. We've been there. Uh, <laughs> this, is where, this is where I thought the conversation would have to go at some point. Look, you, you, you say, Pete, don't be that worried. But let's get realistic now. We're talking about it's not it's not about necessarily starting Pepe from the start, but you cannot be bringing Eddie and Ketter on. I don't want to see him coming on. He doesn't provide anything that Pepe wouldn't do plus more. So if we want to try the Pepe experiment with him playing up front, Laka can rarely get through ninety minutes. At seventy minutes, put Pepe on up front. Let's let's be having you. It's that simple now because Pepe would score the chances that Lacazette had more than likely he would. Certainly, he'd, he'd get one of them out of them too. He's a he's a pretty decent finisher. Certainly, one of the best finishers at the club, if not the best. Um, and you know, he he for Pepe's issues, unlike Lacquer, he's kind of the inverse of Lacquer, who is great with a build up, great with the interchange. The ball goes into him and it can stick, but he's got absolute zero goal threat. Pepe, you know, the ball bounces on off him like the the park railing. Sometimes he's got. Some good dribbling, if only he knew what he was even doing. But when he gets into positions, he can find finishes. He's that kind of player. And I think that Eddie is an absolute busted flush. I don't think we should be putting more minutes into him. The guy's done. He's not good enough. He isn't, he's not 90 minutes away from turning his career around. He's not Arsenal level. That's why it was an egregious error to not recruit in that area in January. But the only way I'll feel confident in not doing it was if Arteta and the powers that be had plans for either Martinelli or Pepe through the middle, and that was how it's going to roll. And, you know, obviously it's not going to be Martinelli in the next game at the very least. So I need to, I'm need i going to need to start seeing me some Pepe. And hopefully after the African Cup of Nations, he's going to come back with, you know, a renewed bounce. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna close the chapter on Eddie just yet. Again, like, what does he? What does he get? He gets, he gets nine. He gets. He gets. He gets nine minutes against Wolves when we've got ten men, and we're like, he's terrible. He's terrible. I'm not. Like, I'm not gonna not, die. Not, I'm not gonna not, die on not, that. I'm not gonna we're die not on basing that off nine minutes. We're just. We're just mm-hmm. saying, we have got massive, massive problems up front. And and yeah. Pete, I don't, I, obviously you continue your point, but just to say on that point, you know, it's nine points at the end of Wolves. Obviously, as Matt said, this is countless other performances. But for all of the performances, when Emil Smith-Rowe came on, when he was getting his chance, when Saka came in for 20 minutes, the reason why they make the step up is because when they get given the chance, they deliver, they do something. Eddie gets given 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and he's always shit. So why are we bothering with this? Like... You at some point, whether you're not always going to get 90 good minutes and a run of five or six games to prove yourself, you get short amount of time, explode onto the scene. I don't think he's got it in him. I think the other there's a, there's a great point, which is, um, you know, if you're Pepe, I mean, what must you be thinking right now? Like, like I'm not a huge Pepe fan. In fact, I'm not a Pepe fan at all. In fact, I'm not particularly keen on Pepe. Um, but 
you know, he's contracted to the club. He's an international who has put in some really strong performances. And at the moment, he's not getting minutes because we're giving them to a young striker who's already told us he's leaving uh, in the summer. Like, that is... That's dangerous squad management unless we are trying to get force Pepe out in the summer. But oh, the problem we are with, 100% trying to force Pepe out. Yeah, but the, the problem with the way that we, we force players out is we force them out by not charging any money. You know, when have we forced a player out where another club has come in and paid us paid us hard cash for them? Uh, I could eat, like, that's, that's the dangerous situation, I think, with Pepe. I think we should still be trying to motivate him. And, and I think... Yeah. Like I think the reality is we've got 16 games to go and you can get away with playing with essentially 10 men. We haven't got a striker at the moment. I mean, I, I wouldn't even class Lacazette as a striker. Um, we're playing with 10 men and we can get away with that for a certain period of time, but we're not going to get away with it over 16 games. I just yeah. don't think we are. I think we're going to need to find an internal solution that's going to be another roll of the dice and give us give us a, a new iteration of this Arsenal team. I think that, that I just seen a comment um, where someone said Arteta doesn't like Pepe. Facts. That is absolutely his right not to like Pepe. Gave him twenty nine <laughs> games last season. Pepe doesn't hit the level. He uh, like his control is all over the place. Yes, he pops up and scores goals in mostly unimportant games, but he's given he's been given chance after chance after chance. And the reason he didn't come on today is because he's not a striker, right? It's like, that's an experiment to put somebody that's got one foot through the middle and hope that he comes good in a position he's never played. Like, that's that's not, like, if Pepe's coming on, it should be for Saka. And I, I, I suspect, I'm not, I'm not saying, I, I suspect he will get minutes and maybe he gets minutes against um, Brentford. But I think we everybody forgets what Pepe's like and then he comes back in and you're like, ah, now, yeah, now no, I he's, remember. He, he's not the answer. He's not the answer. No, no. But he's, 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 he could, he, he's, he might be half an answer. <laughs> yeah, but the whole point is, as, as we've said, and let, let's just kind of get, you know, our ducks in a row on this issue. We talked about Xhaka, who is an absolute abomination for us sometimes, but we also know what we get every, you know, now and then he comes in, he plays really well, and he's useful when we can say he might get us over the line for top four. He's not the answer long-term, Jacker. We're going to have to move him on if we want to progress. At the end of the day, Pepe has more than enough flaws in his game. We're all incredibly frustrated with him overall. He's not hit the heights we'd hoped for. But he carries a goal threat. That's not like, you know, hyperbole or conjecture. That's just straight up. He has more goal contributions than these guys. And if you say to me... Pepe or Lacazette? I would say Lacazette. I think he does more as on the whole, and I think the team would be more coherent with him. If you're saying to me, Eddie Nketiah, who should be in the championship by next year, or Pepe, there's no debate here. He's just better. He's, Eddie has shown us nothing. Zero. Not one, literally, even the goals he scores bounce off his knee. He, he He's just not that guy. Whereas Pepe... Can curl something in every now and then. I, I think it's a no-brainer. I, I think I, I, one one thing we that you could say in the defence is we have all seen what Pepe offers. It's limited. Arteta, oh, he, 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 he's a, he's a he's a pretty average player with great end product. Uh, yeah, and but the coaching staff watch Eddie every day, and if they're picking him 
over Pepe. It's not like people always get, oh, it's like a vendetta. No, it's not. It must be something that they're seeing in training or something that they see. Uh, like, but again, like for Arteta, it's like if you want to, if you if you're gonna take Eddie seriously, give him longer than eight minutes every week. Give him a game, rotate him in if that's if that's the belief. Because you know Smith Rowe broke onto the scene, and Smith Rowe is a spectacular player. He got a full ninety minutes against Chelsea, you know, and then he and then he just the ball went rolling. But he's a super special talent. I think a lot of other young players take a while to to get going. I mean, just look at Anthony Martial. Uh, uh, he's gone to Sevilla now. Look at Marcus Rashford, who still doesn't look like he's found his footing in the game. Uh, Tammy Abraham, um, you know, is another one, you know, booted out of Chelsea, 15 goals or whatever. But he got game after game after game and people criticised him and then he got moved on. But I am not going to die on the on, on the Eddie Hill. I tell you what Hill I will die on, though. I tell you what Hill I will die on. Ramsdale masterclass, come on. What a game. Aaron Ramsdale is back. He obviously heard the criticism about me saying he was arrogant last week and he decided to show <laughs> why he's arrogant. Excellent play on the floor. Um, brave. A couple of absolutely outrageous saves um, again. And a little bit calmer. I think the form was dipping a little bit, but he was calmer. And um, it's just great to have a goalkeeper that you can rely on to keep you in the game. But I will say, I thought that the XG would be a little bit different. Arsenal won the XG um, quite comfortably. Uh, Wolves 0.85 to Arsenal's 1.55. So um, he didn't have to do a lot, but what he did do, he did really well. What do we think about Aaron Ramsdale? Is the man back? Was he ever gone? He was never gone. You guys. He was never Or gone. you, Pete. You were, that me. Was, it's me. I, I, yeah, I you were say. trying to... You were trying, I was false, saying it a bit, yeah. Fake, fake news. Fake news. False <laughs> narratives. Uh, the guy... You were... You, 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 he, he, you were giving him hassle after he got a clean sheet. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable after Burnley. Yeah, I know. He's <laughs> second most clean sheets in the league now. But to be honest, like, you know, um, so, so in terms of Ramsdale, I thought he was, I thought he was absolutely excellent and, and an absolute return to form or the form that we'd seen in his early career. And, you know, I, I, I was certainly in concert with Pete in terms of, feeling like it's not that I would ever question his professionalism or his approach like Ramsdale has an intensity which is infectious and has been so long overdue at Arsenal that it has you know genuinely revolutionized our team he has had a massive impact on on the way we set up and defend but I just felt that you know he's taken he's come back from that break and he looks like he's absolutely ready to roll and he looks like he's going to be a talisman at the back there. The organisation you're seeing again, the shouting, the making sure there was a, a time when Martinelli switched off for a corner and he just absolutely rollicked him. And this is the kind of noise that we need in an Arsenal team that we, at so long, we would go without it. Just a bunch of individuals playing together, kind of saying things they thought they had to, but they weren't really saying it with their chest. They weren't saying it with, you know, passion. Um, and now... Literally, in terms of cheerleader, whether or not, you know, we had that debate about who would be captain longer term, you know, that's a kind of separate issue. I, I do think there's strategic imp uh, uh, benefits further up the field. But Ramsdale, without a shadow of a doubt, is the talisman of the team. I think he is the, the, the enthusiasm, that charisma, if you like. It gets, it's infectious. It gives everyone a bounce. And as you kind of hinted at, Pete, what it feels like to be an Arsenal fan now 
to have a keeper who's not just you're sitting there crossing your fingers going, oh, I hope my keeper doesn't blow it for me today. You're genuinely going, he might save us again. And we he's already... I mean, Leicester was a piss take, and we know it. There's no way we should have got out of there with anything. But he was doing a madness that day. He's done another one today because it was about guts. It's about literally there are going to be a few moments, and can you step up to the mark? And he could. And it's just so refreshing to have that guy between the sticks who, as a fan, you can rely on and go, do you know what? If we get beat today, it's probably not going to be because this guy's fucked up. And that is it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Reliable. 11 clean sheets. He only, he only joined us after three games. I think he's got 11 clean sheets in 20, 20 games now. 11 clean sheets in 20 games, which is absolutely exceptional. Um, I don't have anything more to add on Ramsdale. I just want to say, Aaron, as a fellow YouTuber, uh, if you're watching this, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I didn't mean to disrespect you. Come on the channel whenever you want. Um, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna do something. Uh, it's not safe for work if you're on American time, so... Uh, take this, uh, take take this screen into a into a meeting room and make sure no colleagues around. I'm going to put up a, a visual for for those that are listening on the podcast. It's of Pete, Pete dancing in a thong. If you are listening on the it, podcast, yeah, not it, safe. It's work. far more filthy than that. It is the it is <laughs> the, the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, it is the Premier League table, and Arsenal sit in fifth currently. Uh, we've got a plus nine goal difference, which let's be honest, I mean, we're a lot, a lot naughtier than it was um, at the start of the season. Um, West Ham sit above us on one point. We have two games in hand over them. Chelsea, uh, they are eight points ahead of us and we have two games in hand over them as well. Now, I don't want to get too carried away with games in hand, but the great thing about this league table as it is right now is this is pure facts. We've got games in hand and we're fifth. Games in hand and we are fifth. The team behind us is Man United. They've played one more game uh, than us. And Spurs are three points behind us and they've got a game in hand over us. So we are firmly in the race for top four this season. I'm feeling extremely hopeful. We've still got to beat Brentford. We've still got to beat Wolves. But if we can get at least four points out of those next batch of games, like I, I don't, I don't want to say that we're favourites for anything, but we're at least putting ourselves in the driving seat. Um, and I, I don't know. Like I feel, I feel dirty trying to say in these words. Like I'm putting the team under pressure. And I know Matt, Matt, everyone's very uh, attracted to your sparkly, uh, <laughs> your sparkly filter that you put on. To make yourself look like you're you're a, a glitter bug over there, but Matt, like we had conversations about this before, and you demanded. You said we got a, we got shift expectations because the season's changed. There's 16 games to go, and Arsenal are sitting in fifth with games in hand. Is this real? I think. I mean, you have to like so interesting statistic. Yesterday, all three before the game, all three teams, Arsenal, and I'm not including West Ham, which is unfair, but I'm not. Arsenal, Manchester United and Tottenham, all two to one to get top four. Equal odds, which is what we said on the podcast. We said we think we've, we've got a 33% chance of getting top four. It couldn't go any which way. Chelsea guaranteed, basically. So, but with, with the result tonight, there is, we're, we're in pole position for top four. 
There's, there's, if, if you, out of all the teams, West Ham, Arsenal, United, Spurs, even Wolves, we're the team that you would, you take our position, our runner games against any of the other teams now, I think. Well, I, th- I think, I think you would, but I actually think that we are going to have to get our work done early. And by the end of February, we'd have played Brentford and Wolves at home. I think we need six points out of it. I, agree, I do. Yeah. If, if we get six points, then we are cooking on gas. Then we can start knocking other people around and go, listen, it's because this looks like the kind of league where pretty quickly you're going to want to have the points in the bag rather than the games in hand. There's so many stoppages that can come in. COVID can still call it. You know, it, we're obviously kind of in a bit of a low at the moment, but it can bounce back. It can cause disruption. Other competitions, teams that have to play loads of games. You're going to want the the amount of points in the bag. I'm I'm talking about by the end of the season. If you were like one point ahead of a team and they've got a game in hand against what seems like an easier position, you you want that point 100 because. It, the teams are going to like Spurs saw yesterday. That's Southampton at home. One of the easier games in the league on paper. They've rolled you. You shit. Again, remind and us. They, they got spanked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 20, Done nicely. Shots at home. Exactly. Absolutely beautiful. Well deserved. And everyone liked to watch it. And it was great. And um, there's always uh, for, you know, again, not safe for work, watching those Tottenham fans crying when their last minute equaliser got called out. That stuff, you know, I mean... That, it's just pleasurable wherever you are, quite frankly. Um, but yeah, I, I digress. The fact is, is I think that we're in a situation where I've, I've said two things might be a possibility. Very, very realistically, this little Tottenham game that's floating around delayed might end up like some kind of playing at some point in the fight. season. Yeah, it's going to, you know, either a proxy one or a realistic because it might go so late in the season, like win and you're in, which it would be an unbelievable North London derby anyway. Um, And we'd need to be going in full of confidence, but we don't necessarily want to be leaving it to that situation. Brentford, low on confidence, give them the work. You know, uh, Wolves, we've just done you. That'll sting. Now you come to our gaff, gaff, you're getting done again because you can't score goals, you're struggling. They, They won't like the idea of coming up against Gabriel and Ben White playing in that kind of form. You know, if it's not Jimenez, it looks... Obviously, Podence looks pretty on the ball, but there's no end product with Wolves. These are two games that we should be strict on ourselves and say, listen, six points. We want six points out of these because if we do, then you start putting gaps between us and United. They look clunky, like they're not going to be consistent. West Ham, I just don't think are going to be there by the end. I mean, they could get there if everyone falls away, but I don't think they're going to like seize it and grab it for themselves. It's our opportunity to do that right now. Put a good run of wins together, three or four on the bounce, and I think we'll we'll be fully over the line because we'll have done the work I've, early. I've got one bit of very good news, which is I think you're absolutely right about February, but I'm I hadn't I hadn't I've been focused on our fixtures, but the next three Spurs fixtures, they got Wolves, then they're away at City, and then they're away at Burnley. I mean, that's a tough run of three games. Especially I with really think Conte that that, looking as depressed as he did that on the that sideline is, last night. That is that is not an that is not an easy run of games to play. Can you are Wolves going to lose two on the bounce? I don't know. They, I thought they were decent today. City at City. 
that should be three points for City. They can't they can't be dropping <laughs> points to Spurs. And so if we can get six and they can get end up with one, you know, we could be we could be five clear of Tottenham by the end of February with a bit of luck. Can, can I also deliver a little bit of propaganda? Um, if you follow the Twitter feed out the grove, you probably have seen this. But Arsenal is Arsenal for the second, you know, is a bit of a it's a bit of a sleeper project. No one really gives um, pays us too much attention because our, our bad results are amplified and the dumb things that we do are amplified as well. But um, since since the first, see, I can say since the first international break because Arsenal are now in a good position regardless of whether that's. So I'm not. It's not propaganda really, but we've got the. Um, the fourth, the fourth most points since the first international break. The third best defense. Shockingly, the fourth, be- the fourth, uh, the fourth highest amount of, of goals in the Premier League. And then on the attacking front, and why I think it will be absolutely game changing um, when we bring a striker to the club. We average um, the fourth, uh, the third most shots on target per game, and we average the fourth most shots on target. In general, in general, and Aaron Ramsey's got eleven clean sheets. Plug a world class striker in there, or two, like we're probably going to have to this summer. Things really do move forward, and then you start. You know, third is the opportunity. I mean, we've got a long way to go, but um, I think I think you're right, Johnny. The um, in the grand scheme of things, the, the games that we've got to reorganise are Chelsea and, and and Spurs. So the more the more games like Brentford and Wolves that you win. The, the more security blanket you've got if you lose games the a tougher or, or or have a 50-50 chance. Um, but I fancy us to beat Chelsea. I'd fancy us to beat Spurs. And I'd fancy us to beat Man United. We've got to start winning those, those tougher games, though. And we haven't had a, a great record there this season. But the problem that we had last season is we lost a lot of games the um that we should have won. We lost this game twice last season, <laughs> 2-1. And the reason that we are in the hunt for top four this season is the teams below us, we tend to beat. Like you said it the other week, Matt. You said actually beating teams we should beat has not been the problem. It's beating teams above us. So um it bodes well. The consistency has been strong now for you know what we're 13, 14 months in to consistent top four form. The stats pay it off and the players are only going to get better um we just got, I think, but it all, it all comes down, that top four race, it all comes down to, can we find goals? But there is another aspect, and due to the nature of the way that the game played out, it has obviously dictated a narrative with, what, with which we've addressed this podcast, but also with how Arsenal fans will probably be reflecting on it. The fact is, I'm hearing, I'm seeing people in the comments talking about Cedric had a good game. Now, that's fine if they think that. I don't think that. <laughs> like, as in, I, I really loved his battle and he worked hard, but I thought he was a weak link. I thought that Wolves set about us quite early, realising that they would attack us from fullback, and they were having some joy in wide areas. They've just got, you know, n- not very good attacking options in terms of the way they're getting into the box, and, and better teams might get more joy out of someone like a Cedric. I thought we looked a lot more robust when... Rob Holding came on when we were down to 10 men and we were just sitting deep going, go on in, keep knocking balls into the box and big Bob's knocking them away. And Ben White and Gabriel both played very well today. But the fact is, is that, you know, when you look at Cedric, I think that 
I've not had an issue with him over one game, maybe two games. You'll get away with it. Over a stretch of three, four games, and, and obviously we hope that's not going to be the case and Tommy Asu is back. But if we were having to wheel out Cedric over a prolonged period, that would be an issue. And when you then talk about what we could do to a Chelsea, you know, we could beat Chelsea, we could beat Tottenham. You've also got to factor in our squad is so threadbare. If we pick up another Tommy Asu injury, party goes down. Are you telling me you think we could go into Tottenham Stadium without party, without Tommy Asu, with Cedric playing, with Laconga in there and, you know, people like that, and we're going to get three points? We might do, but it's certainly not a banker. And as for Chelsea, if we if we don't put our full team out, I think we'll get beat. It's just that simple. So we are have wafer-thin margins with regards to our squad depth. And I think that we're going to have to get lucky with, you know, a, stop getting red cards. No one gets injured. And we play the teams that we need to beat with, with a full-strength team. Like, we get lucky with, you know, the other things going our way so we can put strong teams out against them. Because our first team could give anyone else a game. Once we start scratching the surface, it starts to become more than a bit shaky. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I still, I, I think we had a good January transfer window. Um, I think we got, we got, we got rid of all of the the rubbish. We've got a very talented, densely, you know, we've got talent density. As I, I wrote today, there, there's a little bit of margin for error. I think Lukonga played the last time we played Spurs in the Premier League, and he had a good run at the start of the season. Right back is an issue. You just don't want Thomas Party or Granite Jacker getting injured for the long term. But we've got one game a week, basically. There's, there'll probably be a two-week period where we play maybe play six games over two weeks at, at at worst. We should be able to manage that. If you've got younger players, they should be able to recover quicker. Um, and we've got quite a lot of robust players. Thomas Partey was robust until he came to Arsenal. Granite Jacker rarely gets injured unless it's um, a freak. So hopefully we've got that all out of the system. I'm sure that there are going to be some... Some you know some issues as we go um, through the season, but I, I think Arsenal made the right decision. If 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 Arteta says the right level of talent wasn't available in January, I'd much rather we didn't go for anybody um, and try and work it out with the players that we've got. So it's, it, listen, we're in the mix. Sixteen games to go sounds a little bit better than seventeen, and uh, other the other clubs around us have also got massive problems. West Ham didn't sign anybody. Um, Spurs were dreadful yesterday. Absolutely dreadful. Man United, dreadful against um, against Burnley the other day. And Ronaldo you know, they, dropped as well. Ronaldo dropped. Mason Greenwood, hopefully never yeah. to be seen again. Well, yeah, it's getting and, the jowls, isn't he? But... Yeah, and it's... Uh, so, I, I, I'm feeling positive and that was a great win. That was a great win. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. And... Um, Look, you, you know, you, you talked about like just, uh, and I'll just sum up on these points. Like, you talked about the fact of it was a great January. We have talked long and hard about this. I do think that our outgoing business was largely great, but you know, I don't think because our business going out was good that we can gloss over the fact that we have left ourselves with very, very thin margins. That you know, I, I agree with you in terms of I was never about let's spunk loads of money on Isak unless yeah. Arteta said, no, he's the guy. Like, if, if if they backed him, then go for it. You know, but if 
we don't need to be spending loads of money on people that they're not convinced over. We've done it before. We don't need to be doing it again. If they back him, fair play. I'm excited to see players that Edu and Arteta think are worth 70 million these days because Ben White, they they back themselves. They put 50 million into him. He looks decent. I'm pleased with him. You know, all of the players that they've allocated, they've worked it out well. And if they say Isak's too much at 75, I back them on that. But don't tell me you can't bring in another striker who's better than Eddie for six months on loan. It's ridiculous. And they've gambled. And I hope for their sake that it pays off. But as I said before, no matter what happens, even if we get over the line, I still think it was the wrong decision. We might get lucky, but I think it was it was the wrong... It's, it's, left, it, it's left us unnecessarily short. But it doesn't mean that we can't get it done. And I am crossing everything that we can. Amen to that. Amen to that. Johnny, where can people find you on the internet if they're not on the Arsenal Opinion Podcast or post uh, Arsenal uh, Opinion Podcast? Listen. I'm at iJohnnyCochran. Follow me on Twitter. Um, come one, come all. It's always nice um, if you join in. We'll have some chats and whatnot and on Instagram, all my socials for that matter. Um, I'm always bouncing around different podcasts and bits and bobs. There's a BBC One Wheel of Misfortune I recorded today, so that'll be coming out. But I'll tweet that. So the only way you, the only way you're going to get to know all the Johnny Cochran news is if you're following me at i Johnny Cochran. Oh, the Wheel of Misfortune. That sounds. That's a great <laughs> title. That's a great title. Um, if you are listening to the podcast and you had a few problems in the week, that's because we switched over um, to who our podcast host was. So just refresh your feed, and there shouldn't be any problems from there. And if you are listening and you are hunting about on iTunes, give us a five-star rating. You know they mean a lot to us. And on that note, I will say ciao for now. We'll be back next week, nine days' time, um, for the Burnley on the whistle. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for playing along and leaving all your comments. You're all amazing and we really appreciate it. And we will see you soon. Ciao for now. Hi, I'm comedian Johnny Cochran. Now, last year, my life was turned upside down when I became a first-time dad. Yeah, and I'm sitting there thinking, mm, this is a little bit crazy right now. How am I going to get through all of the challenges in front of me? One of the things I thought I'd do was set up a podcast talking to other fathers about their experiences. Fathers like Russell Kane. No one, no one's man is trying to suggest that what a man does is 1% of the ravages of a female's body being overtaken by its alien host. And Carl Donnelly. This is the admin bit where I'm sort of, you know, obsessing about prams and stuff like that. Oh, you've got to get a good set of wheels. I bought a vintage... Uh, 1960s Marmet pram, which is so inconvenient, and it's never. We're only. It, it can't go any further than like the local park. And Doc Brown. Well, here is complaining about money and how expensive it is to have kids and whatnot. They're like, well, you shouldn't have had us. <laughs> it's like it's your fault, and it's like, I mean, I turn around and it costs me 300 quid. <laughs> kids are so expensive. So you can listen to those guys and more in the How's Your Father podcast. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.